Every day I pass the the wall memorial here on the way to the studio when I'm in the car, and I you can see, you can see the clouds or if it's gray or whatever, and I'm just like thankful, man. It, it really is for me. It's a real thoughtful place. It's one of those places. In Berlin, there's a bunch of them, you know, because of all the history. But that one, you know, they got the pictures of all the people that died trying to cross it. But you're just crossing the death strip. And I'm like, boy, I got it easy, I guess. There's just a war a couple blocks over. <laughs> I've been there probably five or six times. And, and the one thing that really struck me, and, and trust me, I understand why this is, is the case. But, you know, it seems like Berliners specifically have made a concerted effort to not only, like, remember that history, but it, it's really everywhere you look. And, and, it's, and it can be galling at times. So there's a wall and there are the bricks that run down the road. But then there's also just sort of walking down some random street in Berlin and looking down and seeing the, the little placards. There's that. I mean, there's like 20 millimeter pock marks all over my street. The, the, the ball bearings all in the brick buildings, the train station bridge right around the corner. It's just the whole place is amazing. And you, and you look at some of the old buildings and you're like, Jesus, they're never going to make a building like that. The ones that lived because every single rooftop was blown out. Now they're building penthouses on every single building in the whole place but every single roof in this whole place was wasted you know and i mean i'm not all big on the wars but one interesting factoid is um the last year there were 300 days of bombings and it wasn't one plane it was like hundreds they just let them have it you know <laughs> like right up until the very end yeah so it always makes me think about uh other people going through the same thing especially in ukraine and it's very topical, but in the last years, you know, it's been a nonstop for some decades of this stuff, you know, but it's really. So I'm in New York and I'm from, I'm from the Bay Area originally, and obviously not as long of a kind of a kind of a Western history that, that we have here. But also certainly this is a case in San Francisco, but probably even more so in New York that, that just nothing sticks around. There's that sort of and I think it might be apocryphal, but there's that idea of your your body regenerating every one of its cells, you know, once every like seven years or something. And, and this idea that you're in a different person. And to me, that's what it's kind of what New York feels like. Well, Berlin is what is kind of the model for. Brooklyn and the Lower East Side and Chicago and all those places, you know, when they used to have 10,000 people on a block in the Lower East of the East Side. And it's just crazy. Yeah, there used to be 14 people living in each one of these houses. There was, you know, all those immigrants from Germany. There was crazy when all the farm people moved to the city. So there was 6 million people living in Berlin in 1900. So now it's 3.5 million bananas. But yeah, all this stuff. I reflect a lot. You know, I've got a son and he's nine now. I mean, this, this year it's more sex, birds and bees. And next year they let him have it with German history. And he's so sweet. You know, he's just so sweet. It's just going to kill him. And I'm hoping it just flattens all those like bully little smart ass shits in his class, you know. With their attitude. I was in Cologne, Germany. This this was probably like close to ten years ago at this point, but walking down the street and I I see somebody I recognize. It's um Art Spiegelman, the cartoonist. Sure. Mouse. 
Yeah. And, and, and I had interviewed him a few times in the past. So, you know, we sort of like, I'm like, Hey, this is funny, funny meeting you here in, you know, in downtown Cologne. And, uh, he invited me to this presentation that he was doing that night. And one of the things he was showing off was, so, uh, after the Charlie Hebdo thing, uh, Ahmadinejad had run a contest basically for like Holocaust denial cartoons and Art Spiegelman being the very kind of tongue in cheek, ironic guy he was, he entered it. He's showing these like jokey Holocaust comics on a screen and I'm sitting there. I'm like the one American in this crowd full of Germans and they're like, they're laughing at him. Like, this is kind of a surreal experience because I, I just assumed that everybody was really solemn about this sort of thing that, you know, that, that they had had that history sort of pounded into them, but they're so removed. There are and there aren't, you know, it, it's like anywhere. It, it's like, it's like in Iceland, there one, one third of the population are like these magical elf creative people. And then one third of the population are like, this is so great. We love it all. You know, we want to make more of them. So you've got the Bjorks over here and then... Yeah, yeah, well, Bjorks in the elf category, right? But then there's one third of the population that just love it. You know, they're so proud of it, right? And then there's one third of the population that are like these Swiss uptight people that are just like, oh, be serious, you know? Like, we don't grow pineapples here. Be very serious. You have to... You know, <laughs> this is hard. <laughs> you know, like, so it's, it's crazy. And, and there's divisions here. You know, there's, there's, there's a... 20 something percent easily that are just like fuck all this stuff and there's you know a large percentage of population that that, that believe uh they've come very hard and that, that they have responsibilities like they've come a long way in confronting things and and going towards helping people and then there's a large like very that that square population too you know that that, that german serious trains run on time shit you know but um there, there's a lot of weird things you know one of my friends is, is like was like 27 and he's in a great band and uh they came to tour america and they pulled him aside it's question for homeland security question for two hours he said was your grandfather a nazi and it's like dude i 27 fucking years old fuck off no, i wasn't even born my mom literally my mom literally wasn't born you know but it was crazy it's crazy you know we live in a crazy world but about uh, you know about whatever you know i like that i like living here it's safe i can be a ghost you know nobody bugs me my kids safe and i do a lot of reflecting i might as well be in the middle of a a forest i'm completely invisible and i love that you know i've got my house and my studio is another house in another place what does it mean to be a ghost or 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 being visible and how is that different from your life in san francisco well san francisco they've wrecked it when you throw all that kind of money they absolutely destroyed it you know people walking down the street the hedge fund just slapped them 20 million for their startup or whatever and they're like oh that's a great mechanic i'll buy that up or you know, it was a couple of years ago and I read in the SF Weekly or something that the, the fire chief said, um, they're like, here's the last, since 1906, the record number of houses that burnt down were 35. In the last year, we had 150, 175, and 225 houses burned down. Landlords literally burning down the building because they could go, okay, I'll just... I can't le- legally kick these people out. I'll just burn down this building because I can just build one flat of uh, three flats and, and just cash in on these idiots with their money. And I'll instantly have 10 million, 20 million, $30 million. 
but they're like, we can't even believe it. Like how much like in the mission in all these places, you know, and that whole culture, the hippies, they were part of the gentrification of the upper hate because those people had all moved up. Grandma was dead in the gentry from the 1906 era and all that stuff. And that was just cheap rent. And they were getting the black people out of the upper hate. And then it was the lower hate. And then they, they totaled the Fillmore district and all that stuff to build the, the freeways through all that stuff. And, and Hunter's point, they stopped having the military stuff in the forties. And by the time those, those people that owned the dock workers, you know, they'd own their houses, but they and they had their pensions, but there's no jobs for anybody. And then it's like, get it to where it's like New York. And I've lived there too. Not everybody has a trust fund. A lot of those people are selling their ass. You know, you try and go walk around walking, girl, walking, walking up to girls and asking them if they want to go on dates. It's not, that's not what they're there. They don't got some trust fund that allows them to pay, have six grand a month <laughs> on the flat. But um, anyway, and, and you're not making that in retail, you know? So, but the thing is, is like, I, even when I uh, sort of was part of gentrifying the lower hate and all that stuff, I guess it was still like a mixed neighborhood and, and a nice play kind of for some people. It was multicultural and just okay. You're the tip of the spear, <laughs> you know, unfortunately. Always, the tip of the every place I've ever lived, even, even in Eastside Berlin, every single place I've ever lived, you know, and that's why my rents are so low everywhere. But, uh, you know, I was paying 225 for a room in the lower hate. That flat is 13,900 now where I lived. So it's like just insane. There's that sort of very like pragmatic concern of not being able to afford it. But I mean, like culturally, did you feel like you were being pushed out as well? See, I split and went, went to the Hollywood Hills uh, as the dot com. All my friends, you know, I was involved using computers and I could have done any of that crap. My, my friend Travis, did, uh, he used to be in my band, did uh, Obscura Media, which is the projectors on all the sides of the building that everybody used. And the 3D modeling for that you know and and uh, i was working for not human who does you know recombinant media and all this crazy installations and i've done you know all the oculus performances with all my friends i just don't care about i don't care for the culture uh, you know at all I, i don't need the money so so yeah, and, I, and I've always been that way. I grew up in Newport Beach, California. I mean, not too many people can buy a house where, where my family helped found the town. I've always just been like, screw all this, you know? I, I'm, a, I'm a simple person, you know what I mean? I, and I prefer it that way. San Francisco is a tough one for me because, uh, yeah, I'm from Fremont originally. So I'm from, you know, the very, very suburban outside of San Francisco. So it, it is always this, this place I'll romanticize. But, you know, there, there's a certain point. I, I still have a, my best friend has a place on Alcatraz in, in Berkeley, Oakland. But, and I love it there, you know? It's basically my place too, you know? But it, it, America got so wacky, you know, like, I, I knew a lot of people that, you know, this isn't some Alex Jones shit, you know, growing up with Mormons and stuff. They were just telling me like, oh, the world's going to go this way and this is the way it is. And they were painting a picture, you know, to me when I was growing up, you know, as a teenager about all this shit that was going to happen in the future. Right. On, on top of the fact they store food for the tribulation. But, you know, they were just painting all these pictures for me. And I'll be damned if I didn't see it all coming, you know, like miles away. You know what I mean? It's like, oh, oh, wait, 
here's like the actor with the head of the CIA as the vice president. Oh, he's the president. Oh, here's his son. Here's this guy. You know what I mean? And once it got to Obama, I was like, you know, I know people. I grew up in Southern California. So I was like, this is rigged. This is weird. And I, I know exactly what they're doing. They're, they're showing that we can, you know, that's what the hope thing was about, that we could do it this way. But then Trump comes in afterwards and it's just like, come on now. It's like so obvious. It's like a, a team, B team. The minute that guy showed up, they trot out Kissinger around the world. They're like, oh, you let him back in because, you know, this is like, well, we tried everything else. He's like the elder statesman now. Because we're looking at World War Three, And the minute Biden got back in, we're right back to the A team. They pushed right back ahead with all this, this confrontational stuff, which uh, I'm glad I'm not the president. <laughs> this is, this is not, these are not easy times, any of this stuff. But anyways, you know, without hurting anybody's feelings, America is so bananas and dysfunctional. I never, I've been informed my whole life and I never imagined I would see people, this kind of foolishness and just outrageous behavior, like just bringing guns to protest because you dislike somebody. I mean, I understand Malcolm X and I understand the Black Panthers and, and what they were doing now. You know, it's like in Portland, it was like a couple of weeks ago, another African-American got beat to death or whatever, shot and killed in Minneapolis, Twin Cities or whatever. And then all of a sudden they have protests and Antifa guys are showing up. And then the guy, guy shows up with a gun and starts shooting ladies in, in Pioneer Square. And then one of those guys pulls out a gun. It just kills him. And I'm just like, this is insane because back in the 60s, you know, all those guys would just get on a bus like the Freedom Riders and go, this is unacceptable and outrageous. And they would show up like Montgomery, Alabama, you know, people from Brooklyn and everywhere. But now it's like bananas, right? It's exactly the opposite. You got what Proud Boys and everybody else drive across the country and you got Antifa and everybody else. And and I'm a simple person, man. I would just want people to be happy and, and uh, there, it's just like a minimum of decorum is required in society, right? I have to ask, and, and then we can get off the sort of Alec Jones tip, you know, as, as you put it before. But well, I'm, um, not, I'm not being a conspiracy. I'm just saying I, I prefer. So I'm saying that tug I prefer teeth, living which... here. I lived in Man. Listen, I lived in Manhattan on Houston and A, and I said this sucks. And my rent was 250. I lived, evidently I owned the apartment for 27 years because my my best friend's brother was in the CIA. <laughs> 250 for Houston and a, a two bedroom, nice six, four. And I was just like, screw this. I'm going to move to Europe. <laughs> like, this is- Talking about seeing those things coming, you know, and this, this idea that, that it's being orchestrated, I guess what is Not orchestrated, but it's just foolish to think that everything is just like, well, let's see what happens. The end game is just, is more discord. You no, know, my friend, my friends that, that work in any kind of intelligence always said, well, who do you want to win? So that's the thing is that it's a win game. Do you see what I'm saying? It's not, it's not, it's not random. It, it is a win game. It isn't a let's see what Tony does or whatever, or what happens in this, that, or the other, you know? But for me, you know, I, I'm really, I'm an artist. I really am an artist. <laughs> I don't have to prove it. I've been doing it a long time. And so for me, you know, I like progressive politics, real progressive politics. And I like... You know, a beautiful thing about me living in Germany, right? And let me preface this, right? When I brought up that other stuff about the States, it's broken my heart because I, all my teachers, I was an MGM, it's called Mentally Gifted Minors. And my teachers, so I was born in 1967, were practically crying 
addressing us and saying overpopulation, pollution, wars, you will have to save this world. You guys are the future. Practically crying, you know, and to see like all the progress that can be unzipped. It doesn't matter if there's a Paris Accord, right? The next guy comes and then <laughs> you don't have it. And, it. and all that stuff just, you know, is heartbreaking. So now I can just focus on my art because it's beyond my control. But what I want to say about the thing about Germany is I can't vote here, but in the Marshall Plan and stuff, they took what was wrong with American legislative form of government, right? And what, what the shortcomings of, of parliament in the UK and they made an improvement on it. So people have to form coalitions. And, and, and I can't vote, but I feel like many of the things that I would like to see in society, they get pushed forward. You know, like I feel like my, I don't get it all, but I feel like, like child care, whatever it could be, right? You know, that, that people are looking out for it, that my voice is, is, is being spoken for which is a beautiful feeling instead of all this like us against them. The first thing that struck me the first time I was in Germany, which, which was Berlin, because we, we, we have these sort of very kind of American idea, ideas of, of what it is to be over there. And a lot of those are based on a, you know, a war that happened 70 years ago. But what was just how, with the possible exception, I think, of, of maybe Turkish people, but how open the society tends to be for like diasporic people, for, you know, for for people of different races. To me, that was a wake-up call of just like, oh yeah, no, America is still deeply racist in ways that we don't recognize. And that's why I brought, that's why I brought up Obama is because you look at all that progress and stuff and then how could it flip the opposite way so quickly? Could it really? No, it couldn't. But that stuff bubbled up real fast when a, when a black guy was president. Like all that anger, all that stuff came right to the front. Well, I wish some good could come, come from that kind of stuff but you know what's really weird is uh the, the hard lessons and the confrontational stuff you know that some of these countries that have had these wars and stuff in germany and vietnam you know uh you see the kind of progress spiritually that they make like vietnamese don't hate american and that is like one of the most beautiful things ever because they were wasted you know they were abused so for me it isn't about looking down on my country my my homeland right it's about how beautiful that those people could respond to that. They're not, you know what I mean? That uh, some some vets can go over there and like have that peace or whatever it is, right? And find that when they do their soul searching or whatever. And I, I just, uh, you know, I just uh, hoping when I come back on this trip that it, here here's what I want to say. Okay, every time when you're when you're away, it's so easy to form these opinions. About because the negative news travels a lot, you know, and you think, what a bunch of idiots, what a bunch of just fucking baboons or whatever, right? But then you get on the ground and you're there and you, real, you, you realize there's so many good people and you have to do that. And, and I have to do that when I travel around America, I see, I get to see it. It's one of those things though, right? It's like, it's like, I don't know, confirmation bias is right word, but one, I mean, you're right. Obviously like bad news sells and, and moves faster. And then that, that's true here. I mean, certainly like I'm in the States, but we hear all the bad news, but also when you're touring around, I assume that a lot of the interactions you have with people who are, are coming out to the band. So there's a bit of a, like a selection bias happening there. Well, I think we have a lot of good fans, but I meet a lot of people that work at the venues and I sit down and I talk and, what I what I what I know is in every state there's there's great people. You see what I'm saying? Just regular people. So it's not 
the worst of the worst that, that I find outrageous, you know, that keeps me far away at arm's length. There are a lot of assholes here, but there are probably a lot of assholes there too at the end of the day. Well, there is, but what I want to tell you is I've lived a lot of places and guess what? It ain't number one there. I've been a lot of places and I, you know, my lady can walk down the street at night in a big city. I just don't see the same kind of things, but there are weird people everywhere, you know? They find, they'll find somebody in a suitcase floating down the river or something. I mean, there's psycho people everywhere, but it's just there's a lot less of them. Not to get super sidetracked, there was a story. There was a... Uh, uh, this whole thing has been nothing about our, our, my, my group. We were, we were totally sidetracked. It's great. It's only top of mind because I just read this story, but, you know, Kathleen Hanna, um, yeah. her voice coach was this tiny 80-year-old woman uh, living in New York, just randomly, not for money, not for anything else, just shoved from behind and died with i think she was like debbie harry's voice coach and like just it's like that guy that they just cut yeah i I even like tweeted the the president that guy that was shooting homeless people i was so outraged man i just like uh you know what i mean it it just like the kind of violence and, and anger literally somebody not somebody killing people who have not done anything to anyone who have only just been shit on their entire lives but it's also just the opposite of of what i feel about helping the helpless it's just so anti-christian or anything anti any spirituality of anything it's just it's 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 this kind of dark void you know, it is as, as black as it gets. I was so happy when they got... When they caught him? Yeah, somebody did the right thing and grasped him. Growing up in Fremont, for whatever reason, there there is or at least was a big Mormon population there as well. And and I feel like, you know, a lot of my best friends growing up, growing up were Mormon. And they, I think they tend to get a, a bad rap because they're just like, I don't know, at least in like my very limited experiences with them, just very kind people and people who like tend to really follow a lot of those preachings in ways that a lot of other people who are purportedly Christian don't. Secret Service and CIA seem to trust them. People <laughs> more than handshakes. At least all the ones I interacted with were just really good-hearted people. Yeah, I'm tons of I'm friends with tons of people, you know, in Utah. I'm a brother, so. And even Mitt Romney, you know, I was making so much fun of him, but a couple times, you know, he stepped up to the plate. What what I consider to be. American values, you know, are what I think that people should aspire to. I think a couple of times in, in the last years, he really did, did some things that I respect. Because you can have, of course, I grew up, I am conservative, basically. But, you know, not necessarily politically, you know, like, but in many ways I am, you know, so. How so? I'm just your regular cowboy surfer outlaw acid freak you know but i'm really tolerant you know what i'm really tolerant i don't care what how netflix wants to portray superman you know like whatever anybody wants to say i'm personally disappointed that people can't discuss it but not discuss it for the reason to infuriate one side or the other meaning to cancel people or to get up people's noses about it you see what i'm saying about with uh transgender issues or whatever but having spent a lot of time in Sweden, I do know that when you go to an airport, you walk into the bathroom with everybody else, and then there's a stall. And that's the intelligent way to deal with things. Everybody's by themselves. It doesn't matter if you're a furry. <laughs> it's like, do your business, <laughs> you know, and go, which that's, that's kind of the go- good way to go, you know. You know, I, want, I basically want people to be happy. 
within reason. I do, there, there are too many guns, though, and I love guns. The bathroom thing specifically, I would say, is, is possibly the most manufactured outrage thing. Talk about just completely making up a, a boogeyman. My point was, is I would just hope that people would be understanding of, of each other. So that isn't one mob rules over the other. I was going to say something more on the matter. And then, and, and then I realized like, maybe we're not the two people who like everyone needs to be hearing necessarily uh, waxing about, you know, gender issues. I don't know that we necessarily have sort of the pr- perspective necessary to really, um, my mom, my mom was gay. Okay. Well, that's it. That's, that's a start. San Francisco. I used to deliver all uh, free meals to all the people with carb C sarcoma and go into all the nastiest, uh, uh, homeless hotels, you know, down on Sixth Street because nobody else would dare do it, even though they love to volunteer. Shit, yeah, you were in San Francisco right at the height of all that, weren't you? Yeah, and I stood up with it. My aunt was like, "Oh my God, Anton, you're going to get AIDS and die." And I said, "I said, Jeannie, if what you believe is true, we're all dead. So I'm going to die helping people <laughs> because you think, think I'm going to get it from breathing air, then you're dead too, you know." But anyways. Any last thoughts about music? Or first thoughts about music? Ask me a good question. Well, shit, that's a lot of pressure, man. I got a really good and loaded one. Are you, are you good for a loaded one? Whatever. Are you a hard person to be in a band with? Well, I'm sure I have been, but see, I, I've always known what I'm doing. And I, and I firmly believe that having ideas takes precedence of having no ideas. See, I'm not interested in arguing with somebody who has a theory about democracy, but no ideas and no leadership skills. Because it's great, and we can all get along great, you know? Let's, do, let's, let's, let's have some team-building exercises and do nothing, have no records. And I dealt with a lot of people who I, I taught a lot of my friends how to play, and people that had no... It's always something, right? Some, some, there's, like, serious faults in some people, right, that are fatal, fatal flaws. It could be from their life or whatever. And a lot of people, like, for instance, a lot of people drink or, or self-medicate because of um, emotional PSTD or, you know, emotional trauma or because of mental illness or whatever. So you get into a a group of a couple people like that, it's going to come out, you know. It's kind of micromanaging your fatal flaw? Well, I get very uncomfortable with people because, first of all, I don't like, I don't like the fact, you see, I, I can play every instrument and I think orchestrally. So it's cute to say all, all children are acceptable, exceptional, we're all the same, but it's not true. <laughs> Every child is not a Mozart. Sure, yeah, certainly not everyone is good at everything. I mean, everybody's not a Mozart, see, but I, I think like Mozart, and you can't really understand that, see? So when I, I just get a hint and it's there, I don't even know. I'm like, what's that song? Oh, it's me. I better figure out how to play it. That, that kind of fire, when everybody's trying to learn about life or, or accomplish something, it deprives other people of that lear- learning process sometimes, you know, and that's a, that's a real painful thing because not everybody's just in it for the excitement of just playing something that sounds good or something. They have their own aspirations, see, and then how people work that out, whether it's in a relationship, two people having sex, you know, it's the same thing, right? It's like, well, <laughs> you know what I mean? It's like how, how do people over a long period of time, how do people interact like that? Right. You know, it's like, are you just trying to get off or you care about me? Am I here? You know, are, it, it, it's all this kind of stuff. I suspect you get this a lot because I think for a lot of people, 
the movie was kind of, you know, maybe their first exposure to you. And from everyone I've heard who was involved, sort of very, very edited. But obviously, when somebody watches something like that, they have certain impressions of, of how people are, you know, personally uh, viewing them on, on screen. And every interview I've heard with you subsequently, this interview, you're, you're very pleasant. And I wonder, like, did that kind of ruin people's perception of you? Were you like that to some degree? And have you mellowed out as you've gotten older? Yeah. The thing was, is William Morris Agency was a giant agency, and they offered me to be a part of a film with about 10 bands in L.A. And I, they arranged a meeting with the filmmakers, and I said, I'm taking over this movie, and they giggled at me. I said, because all your bands are going to break up and nobody cares already. They're like, how do you know six of them already have? And I'm like, hmm, okay. So tell me, you've ne- and then I'm on film. Tell me you've never heard of the Dandy Warhol. This is a better idea. I said, this is a better idea because they're going to do whatever it takes. And I'm going to say, no, I promise you, I'll say no to every single thing. And that's black and white. See, because they're going to say yes to everything. And I'm going to say no, but I'm going to give you the access to the full bidding war because they were opening up. So I said, we'll use my spy cameras and go to my meetings and they'll do the same. But then they couldn't show everything because we were being courted with cocaine and hookers and every single thing. So they couldn't get releases from everybody. So at the end of seven years, all they had was, a, oh, shit, we need to wrap this up. I'm pregnant with a kid. So let's just make some, some thing, some story. Because they tried to sell it to VH1. It tested the highest ever for MTV for a reality TV show, and they couldn't show it. So at the end of the day, I don't care. That's why I don't talk about it much. At the end of the day, I don't care because I know the truth. See, else I would just write a book. I was just sort of getting at that, that I think that like you, you seem to have mellowed out a bit as you know, you've got a family now, obviously you're sort of, you know, you're living in this, this house and it's not, you're not as maybe in people's faces as you might've been, you know, 20, 30 years ago. Well, I've always been, see like, Oh yeah, you're in this people's faces. Look how many records. I did six albums in one year. What, whose face was I in? I was in a studio. That's fair. You don't even know, man. I was dealing you know, the reason I wanted one more time. Are you looking at this video? This is all, you think I'm a junkie loser? This is all my gear that I've had since forever. This guitar, I wrote all of, I wrote all the songs and digs and was playing this guitar. My sitar's in the other room. I got all of this stuff. I've got the microphones that I made strung out in heaven in. I've got every single thing. Not only that, they're, they're, it's all here in Europe. No, I wasn't, I was, I was not calling you I'm a junkie. I'm not the junkie loser. I'm not the guy who's sleeping on couches. See what I'm saying? That nobody knows about that's not doing anything. You, you, were, you were driven. See, but, you, but, you, but listen, but, but when, forgive yourself for watching a film when you see somebody freaking out that, that's being instigated. Many times it was the guy with the long hair driving everybody crazy. And then you just see somebody yelling. It's just edited. I don't talk in the movie very much. I'm not talking hardly at all. I just tell people, man, I just was telling record companies. I'm like, dude, I'm the actual, I'm the actual letter writer. You're the postman. Make the delivery. <laughs> you know, give me a, give me a recording studio. Give me what I want or fuck off. But the thing about it is you might look and go, Oh, he's an idiot. But every one of my peers sold all their publishing. They make zero money off Spotify. They have nothing. Even if they had a down payment on the house, it's gone. Unless they're a like, real estate agent. I have everything. I own all the music. I've, I license those songs every day. I don't have to. My kid, my kid's mom, my, other, my, my older son in college, they don't have to. to, to you know what I mean? You got results. I didn't fuck, I didn't fuck up. The, none of those people that criticize me even have a job in the business. The business doesn't exist. 
my business still exists. So, I mean, it's all perspective. It still exists and, and you're still here, which is a, a lot more than a lot of people can say, a lot of your contemporaries. Well, you know, but I get judged harshly because little Steven's garage, he's going to go on and on about a, a, a bazillion groups that never even don't don't have as many streams as me of Spotify or as many records or sold as many records or anything. And he'll, he'll never give me the time of day. Got to wait another 30 years for that, that wave of nostalgia. No, he can kiss my ass because I didn't play by the rule, but I, but I know those guys love me. I know Bruce and, and certainly Nils likes me. He follows me on Twitter and his wife and him and they say, hi, I know Neil loves those Neil and the, the real guys, Dylan, those guys love me. But the, some of these other people are just like, like you didn't play by the rules. So you get no respect. That's fine by me. You know, <laughs> when you spend your entire career playing by the rules and you see someone who's, who makes it without doing that, they, you're, there's going to be some resentment there. But also the rules, the rules were rigged and, the, and they ran the industry to the ground. So I was right. They were wrong. 